Thursday finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Stephen Pritchard, a new year coming up, a new beginning, a new building maybe? Well, apparently the council's decided that the... In administ- Newcastle. The Newcastle council's decided that the administration building's 40 years old and it's no longer suitable for the council employees to work in. It does seem very new still. Yeah, well, it seems new. And when you look at the age of those type of buildings, and you know, the, the, the logical thing is to have a look at Australia Square because it's a similar type of building. It's 60 years old. I was down there the other week. Um, it's full. It commands some of the highest rents in Sydney. So I, I can't understand why a 60-year-old building in Sydney is commanding some of the highest rents and businesses flock to be there, and yet a 40-year-old building is not good enough for the, the council workers in Newcastle. I, I think there's something wrong here. And as for this technology argument, that's just complete nonsense. What's the technology well, argument? Well, the council claims that, that it's not suitable to modern-day technology. Well, that, that, that's completely nonsense. There was none of this modern-day technology when when Australia Square was built, and it seems to be caping. And all you do is you run the, the, the IT cables up the lift well, the access well in the centre of the building, distribute them across the ceiling, like everyone else is doing. Uh, you know, it's, it's an expensive move just to, to replace a few IT cables. And the, the other thing is, you know, the council's obviously awash with cash. If they can afford to pay the, the mayor a 24% increase, rate payers are footing all this. The council claims it's got no money for infrastructure, increases the, the rates by 48%, and then goes and wastes money on a 24% increase. No one else in the community is getting a 24% wage increase, I might add, um, that I know of. I'd like a 24, and I'm sure my employees would like a 24% wage increase for basically doing exactly the same thing. And, you know, efficiency from a council's point of view is reducing costs. And moving to a new building when there, there appears to be absolutely no need, uh, uh, it's just mind-boggling. I mean, I have- I'd like to have an explanation as to why Australia Square commands some of the highest rents and it's a 60-year-old building and the one in Newcastle is 40-year-old and it's not suitable for a council employees. Fair enough. Well, yeah, that's the argument. What that's, that's what they need to come up with. Well, just, just complete nonsense what they're saying. Stephen, tell us what commodities are up commodities? Well, you, you, for the rest yeah, of You got me started, Jay. You said we have to say something controversial. <laughs> not me. <laughs> You're the one with the ideas. Anyhow, so the gold price, the gold price was down 2.5% of the week to $1,628 an ounce. Uh, the copper price was up 1.7% to $8,766 a tonne. And the crude oil price was uh, $82.11 a barrel, which is uh, compared to $81.49 a barrel last week. Um, the Australian dollars the Australian dollars uh, going up, which is, is good for people heading off on a holiday overseas if they if they haven't already bought their currency. Excellent. So we're up 1.5% on the week to $76.32 US cents. Against the greatest British pounds, we're up 2% on the week to 5691 uh Pence and against the euro, we were up 1.14% to 64.54 euro cents. Now that's uh, good because it's a Christmas present in a way. And if you're going traveling. overseas, yes. True. <laughs> most people will have bought their travel tickets and accommodation probably by now, but, but still, if they're spending some money. Um, um, and then the All Ordinaries Index, uh, so this is a bit of a Christmas present. It was up about 1% on the week to 6,110. Uh, the S&P 500 was up about 1% to 2,662. And the UK Index was 7,496 compared to 7,320 
last week, which is up one percent, and um, some some um, stocks that stocks people that people hold, a lot of people hold locally. Um, uh, BHP uh, was um, up 2.7% of the week to $27.89. There's a lot of BHP shareholders in Newcastle. And it's surprising. A lot of them, there's not unusual to get, because if people have participated in those, those old BHP employee share plans, you know, some people have picked up half a million dollars out of those. Really? Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, so anyhow, wasn't me, but yeah, it's not unusual to find that. Um, CBA, um, they, they were up 1% yesterday to 79.58, but of course they've started to fall this morning after the latest uh, money laundering scandals erupted. Um, NIB, one of our local champion stocks, is uh, $6.86. It didn't quite get to $7 in the last week, but still... Um, a lot of people got those for, for free, so they're quite happy. And Telstra was up 2.1% to $3.73. Telstra's, poor old Telstra's just struggling along there. Mm. You know, they there do... are lots of incentives or lots of freebies they're giving people at the moment. Are they? Yeah, like well, free calls over the Christmas period. Well, if the phone lights. works. Yeah, true. <laughs> if it works. Very true. Yeah, or, or, or you could actually get to speak to someone when it doesn't work, who speaks English. I mean, perhaps they could do that, might get their Ooh, share price up. Controversial. <laughs> controversial? Have, well, you, have you rung them up? Yes. Well, is it right or wrong? Well, they do speak English. <laughs> kind of. Um, um, the petrol price was up one point. 3% on the week to $1.36 a litre. So it's slowly creeping out with a holiday break coming up. And Sydney up 1.6, which is $1.34 a litre. And the diesel price in Newcastle was $1.34 and in Sydney was $1.33. Now, I noticed that after last Thursday you said, well, petrol, is it going to go up? It went up the next day, you know? Yeah? Yeah. I said, is it going to get to $1.50 for Christmas, Jane? Oh, no, I don't want anybody to hear that. <laughs> I didn't. I was just. I was asking you your view, Henry. Ho 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 ho. Ho 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 ho. I I I see Mr. Lowey's getting his Christmas present. I, I I had a look at the paper this yesterday or today, and yeah. he's now Sir Frank. How did that he, come he, about? Yeah, he he got knighted by the Queen for for services to um, money making. Um, well, football. Um, inventing the shopping mall, you know, he's, he's had a pretty long and illustrious career, so he's so, a pretty good job. So if you can't get a knighthood now, you can go and get one direct, can you? Well, I think you can buy them online. <laughs> oh, I don't know that we should say that. Robert Askin's not here anymore. Um, <laughs> or, or Tony Abbott will give you one if he gets ever to be Prime Minister again. Yes, yes, well, I think I've got just as much chance of becoming Prime Minister. Yeah. Um and so, besides his besides his knighthood, Mister Lowy's also sold out of his uh, out of his Westfield. And but, yeah, I mean, this this is the biggest corporate uh, deal, I guess, in Australian history, and it, and it ends uh, what has been an iconic, um, I guess, an iconic retail stock and retail company for many investors. Um, so yeah, he's selling Westfield. Um, um, listeners may recall that he probably uh, well he's. He kind of separated the two. So there was Westfield Corp, which had the U.S. shopping mall assets that he had, um, including a little bit in the U.K. and in uh, Italy as well. And then there's the local ones, which is now called Centre Group. Um, and those two sort of uh, had a, a, you know, a, a separation. And now he's selling off the U.S. Uh, the Westfield Corp. Big price, $33-odd billion to a French company. 
are very big in shopping malls. And you have to say, um, given the, uh, the disruption that Amazon is causing to retail across the globe, it's probably uh, uh, timed it perfectly, uh, to perfection, really. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, with the new owners, and there's going to be some sort of listing, I think, in Australia for some of the retail people to uh, to be able to get some exposure. But it's uh, um, it's gonna, it's a big, big deal, and I guess it ends um, a 57-year history of Westfield um, for Frank Lowy. Hmm. The end of an era. The end of an era. Maybe it's telling us something. Maybe it's telling us that uh, you know the smart money is is getting out of shopping malls. Although you have to say that the shopping malls that they own in the US and the UK are kind of top of the range shopping malls and they're very much experience based with good restaurants and you know, activities as well it's not just about retail shops um, but the writing has been on the wall for shopping malls mm-hmm. for some time and I guess we've, we've seen that a little bit today with, uh, with the Maya disaster which continues to, uh, mm-hmm. to play out and I, I don't know why anybody is writing headlines like shock profit downgrade like for Maya I wasn't uh, shocked I wasn't shocked at all. I, I, well, we've talked about Maya before and how it's basically a dying business. And I did some retail therapy on uh, on Saturday and went for a wander around uh, a big shopping mall, uh, Macquarie Park. And you know, the, the, you, Maya were absolutely, um, you know, there was well, one there was no shoppers there, but there was also no um, no no customer service people there either. So they've obviously cut costs, mm. and, and it's just harder to find anybody there. So it's. Uh, yeah, not, not good news for them, and Christmas is not coming very early or at all, it looks like, for mine. Well, you'd wonder what they're doing there. I mean, one of, one of, the, one of my employees at work, we were talking the other day, and she'd got her Christmas tree on special yeah. Yeah. at Myers. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I think she just bought it the last week or so. Yeah. She, she bought it in October. What, yeah. what, what would they be specialing out Christmas guides in October for? I, I don't know. I did just, it's just mind-boggling. It, um, yeah, it's beyond me. And David Jones was the same. Um, you know, there was just nobody in these places. It's, mm. um, it's a bit scary. I mean, they're, they're big tenants of uh, a lot of these uh, shopping, shopping centers. centers yeah. You know, they're anchor tenants that they build the shopping mall, I guess, around the Mire or the David Jones or whatever. But certainly, uh, I think Richard Umbers um, is going to have a very nasty Christmas. And uh, I think he'll be uh, under some pressure from Solly Lou. I'm not sure he's going to survive into 2018 at this rate. For too long into 2018. Well, right? I don't even think he'll survive into 2018. You reckon he'll be gone at Christmas? Well, he might. Oh, God. You would think, um, you know, mm. questions are going to be asked over the new strategy. The stock's down 7% today, 67 cents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been uh, it's been a, an absolute fiasco. So mm. I'm not sure it's completely his fault. I think it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's the, the game is changing. But um, Myers um, is not really changing fast enough. So the new shoots have turned to weeds, like Solomon said. And so, speaking of that, ANZ is selling its life insurance business. No surprise there? No, no surprise there. I mean, it seems that every, uh, every man and his dog in the financial services game, uh, some, at one point in the last 10 years, wanted to get into that so-called wonderful world of wealth management, and we're going to be an all-stop shop for everything financial mm-hmm. for people. But what's kind of turned out, I guess, is that um, people like to shop around a bit and use different people for different things. Um, ANZ sold its life insurance business to Zurich, um, there's been a number of other companies, a number of other banks selling their wealth management businesses. Um, I guess it takes them back to what people consider their core competency. They've got out of Asia, now they've got out of the life insurance business. I think they've got about 2.8 billion for it, um, and it takes them back to just being a kind of a local bank. But the, I guess the problem for ANZ, NABS, Westpac, and Commonwealth is that they're all now competing against each other on the same platform. 
playing field. There is no real differentiation yeah. of business strategy between any of them. You used to have, you know, NAB with its overseas bid and yeah, ANZ yeah. with its Asian expansion, but now they're all the same. Um, so, it's, I, you know, it's not going to get tough out there because these guys have got the market pretty much sewn up. And the question does come as to what they're going to do with the, with the money they got from the, the uh, life insurance business because, you know, these banks have become very strong capital-wise. Um, and it may be that at some stage in the future they look at some some sort of capital management. But um, mm. I'd be interested to see how APRA would react to uh, to that, having built up their balance sheets, then start splurging the money out mm. to, to grateful shareholders. But we'll see. What's happening down in the gambling business down at Tats and Tabcorp? Well, Tats is no more. No more. We well, have to say Tats. Well, Tatar for Tats. Yes. They um, they have um, they are no longer listed. They've. Um, I think today was their, um, their, they officially got suspended from quotation and the, uh, the long-awaited merger, I guess, um, between uh, Tabcorp and Tats has been consummated. Um, it's, it's, been, oh, it's been forever, it seems, that these two have been trying to get into bed um, and they finally are, um, have, have done it. So um, they had to sell off one of their businesses, the Odyssey Gaming business, the other day, which they sold to uh, Australian uh, Hospitality Group, I think it was, or Hotels Group. Um, but um, yeah, that they now that's it. No more tats. Tata. Tata to tats. Tata to tats. And is it going to be tata to AWE? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's. Um, it, I guess it could be tata to AWE. Um, they've had um, they've had not one but two bids. It's nice to actually get uh, mm-hmm. get some uh, get some sort of frissons in the uh, in the M and A game. Usually, we only get one bid, and it's usually kind of one of those non-binding, conditional back mm-hmm. of an envelope. Think it could be a good idea, kind of bid. Uh, they've currently got a Chinese cash bid uh, on the table from a group called uh, CERCG, which is a state-backed uh, Chinese energy company. I think that's around seventy-three cents. And they've also got a this is a strange one, really. Cause mineral resources, which is kind of a West Australian mining you know, mm-hmm. lithium kind of stock, they, they've lobbed a, um, a cash and share bid, which is works out at around sort of eighty-three, eighty-four cents. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a bit of. Um, competing interest here so it's um it makes life interesting but it's not the first time awe have been bid for and um, they have seen a number of players off um but yeah it's, it's interesting certainly um yeah the market uh, market kind of likes a bit of m&a activity and we've seen a lot of it recently of course they've got their share purchase plan running i think it closes today actually yeah i know it's free money yes i, I sent mine in yesterday it's, it's extraordinary <laughs> i've had subscribers email me and say look um what do you think we should do? And I said, Take up yeah, as much as you can. It's, it's free money. What, what, what's wrong with you? Just fill in the check. Just yes. Send the money. It's, you know, you're going to buy them at, what is it, 50 cents? 50 cents, or there's 50 some formula. They're trading be at 50 83 cents. Under so 50 um, cents, yeah. You know, 60% return. That's right. I sent mine in. That's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I suspect you might get a little bit, um, a little bit uh, less than you applied for, maybe. Oh, okay. They might be swamped. Well, that doesn't matter. No, still a profit. Still scale a profit. back. Yeah, yeah. profit's a profit. The last profit I saw was Moses, as they say. Okay, that's right. Well, that's appropriate this time of the year. And uh, Retail Field Group, is, is that going to be bye-bye as well? Um, they've, yeah, it's been a horrible story. Fairfax yeah. did a, a massive uh, weekend blitz job on them. A uh, huge number regarding their uh, uh, disenfranchised mm. franchisees that didn't really feel part of the, the love. Um, and this is, I guess, one of the problems for franchise companies is that uh, what's good for the franchise, uh, the master franchise company, is not always good for the poor guys that are running the Gloria Jeans or the or the uh, the shops uh, actually themselves. And we've certainly seen that with Domino's. They've had some pressure uh, on their share price because of their 
franchise arrangements. Uh, retail food group just fell off a cliff. You know, it went from four dollars forty is now three dollars. And what was kind of surprising uh, was not only the fall, but also the fact that um, the company said very little. Mm. Um, it actually came out yesterday and sort of re- made a rebuttal to the uh, to the um, the allegations and all the stuff that was in the paper. But it hasn't really helped the share price. Um, I guess the only good thing you can say is it stopped falling. 20% a day because it's now down 30% from where it was. It's, but um, yeah, it was a very weak uh, kind of rebuttal and very weak response from the company, which doesn't bode well. Um, it's certainly one that, uh, you know, you look at it, and I know that uh, my boss today, Marcus, had a look at it and thought, you know, it could be cheap. Um, but, you know, you look mm-hmm. at it and just think I, I, I don't think it's cheap it, enough, you know. The, the, the problems they're going to have um, going yeah. forward. Which, is, which uh, after I read the article, it explained why these Brumby stores that had closed around here that had been here for you know, yeah. 10 years, yeah, and all right. of a sudden it's, they went bankrupt. And I yeah, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a yeah. pretty, um, it's not a pretty thing to be involved in. It, and, you know, yeah, so we might, there, and Fairfax doesn't give up easily. So we might just move on to your free pick for next year for our listeners? Um, it's, um, it's a tough one. The market's very, very frothy at the moment, and, uh, you know, everyone's talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, the downside of the market, and we've had the lithium this year, and we've had infant formula, it's um it's been interesting, but there's there's one that uh, I kind of like, which is a thing called Byron Energy, which is moving to production in the Gulf of Mexico in uh, in January. They're about twenty cents. They've run from about eight cents to twenty cents. They've probably got uh, you know as they move to production, they've, they've got a bit more upside, I would say. Uh, very speculative, um, but you know, the, the money at the moment has been in the in the specy stocks to some extent, um, and it's certainly somewhere that you know we've been looking. Um, for some spectacular gains, we had uh, we had a competition who could uh, pick the winner, sort of thing for the year. And one one of our subscribers picked a thing called European Lithium, which went from four cents to uh, twenty seven cents in a matter of weeks. Um, so I think we'll be buying her lunch as that was the uh, that was the prize. Oh, that's all right. That's a good prize. Yeah, and so prize. so coming up to Christmas, you mentioned the other week or a couple of weeks ago about the gift packs for. For children or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you go onto our website, marketstoday.com.au, you can. Um, uh, a wonderful thing to give to your um, kids or grandkids is a uh, education pack. There's nothing better than um, some financial literacy because you know if you start young, that compound interest does really work. It's the uh, most powerful force in the universe. And we've still got the two weeks free. You can still sign up for two weeks free. I think yeah. you can get some special Christmas gifts as well if you sign up at the moment. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's all happening, and, and you know, as I say, we've had some pretty good results recently, especially in the small and mid cap stocks. Um, some couple of baggers, you know, it's always nice to get a th- three or four bagger. So um, lots of fun to be had at the moment. Okay, Henry, and so you're off, and we'll see you again next year. Yeah, and- well, happy cool. Christmas to uh, all the uh, listeners, and a happy New Year, and to you as well, Stephen. And to Thanks, Jane. Henry. And thank you, Henry, for being with us this year. And uh, have a lovely time. A white Christmas for you coming up on the other side of the world. And Austria. Thank you for having me. Stephen Pritchard, we're going to take a look at what happens when you can't uh, survive in your own home any longer. And Mandy has come along from Centrelink. And so, Mandy, welcome along. It's your last session for the year. Yes. Not ours. (laughs) But um, Stephen Pritchard. So, Mandy, so some people get kind of get old and, and they have to move over their house. Um, so, so what kind of happens then and how does that affect their Centrelink pension? 
Okay, so if we're talking about people who are no longer able to live in their own home because they're they're struggling on their own, lots of different implications can come up here from a Centrelink perspective. Um, when a person decides to move out of their home to move in with family, let's let's look at that yep. as as an option. Then we do have rules within our legislation that allow a person to vacate their home to receive care in another person's home, and we exempt that home they've vacated for up to two years. So if they're choosing it, you know, it could be a temporary condition, and they're needing a little bit of extra support for a while, or want to test the waters, um, so to speak. They can vacate their home, uh, leave that home vacant as such, live with family, and that home that they've vacated is not going to be counted as an asset for the first two years in that situation. If they um, decide to sell that home, then obviously, depending on what they do with the proceeds from the sale, the the money that they have is going to be considered um, part of their assets and deeming applied. So if someone sells their home and has a substantial amount of money invested, then that can certainly impact their rate of pension. Um, there, there is provision within our legislation where a person can, what we call, establish a granny flat right in the property um, and that's that's quite an interesting scenario so before we have a look at that or mm-hmm. talk about that if, if they move out for the if they vacate the home and that's exempt from the assets test but but they decide you know two months down the track they're going to rent it what what happens then if they start renting the property the rental income is assessable right. we look at the net rental income yeah, though yeah. so we would allow the offsets for things like rates and insurance yeah. and so on that's right and does the two-year exemption still apply even though it's rented from an asset test perspective the two-year exemption applies as long as the reason they vacated the property was for a care situation right. so yes it doesn't matter if they've decided they're never going to go back the two years still applies for the caring rules yes so they vacate the property and then you've got two years basically decide what to what you have to do with the property before before it becomes an an asset asset yeah so they're still considered a homeowner during that two years yep okay and then if they sell it before the two years they're a non-home yes if they sell the home and they're not intending to buy another they're staying with family then the money would be an asset straight away they'd be a non-homeowner and how much they receive is going to determine their rates of pension going forward okay so then what happens with the granny flat so granny flat rules are basically where a person can pay for the right to accommodation for life. So there's a number of different ways that people can establish a granny flat right. Um, and probably the most common ways that they're established is through either the transfer of title of a property to someone else, mm-hmm. through purchasing um, a property in another person's name and, and getting the accommodation there uh, or through building an actual granny flat on another person's property or extending the house yep. so that it becomes big enough for everyone to live in together. So what, what – is there some documentation needed or – Centrelink don't require – a written agreement mm-hmm. as part of our our policy we don't require that but we do absolutely strongly suggest that the people seek legal advice mm-hmm. people need to um, be mindful of issues that might arise down the track so it's all well and good to say I get on great with my son or daughter and I'm going to go and live with them and everything will be fine and everyone will be happy. Mm -hmm. But in reality, sometimes it doesn't work out. People don't get on. Um, And even probably more common is, unfortunately, about 50% of marriages end in divorce. So if you're selling your home, contributing a large portion of money for a a granny flat to be built and the family members that you've moved in with, um, unfortunately, have a marriage breakdown and that, that property that you don't own, they own, becomes part of a property 
settlement, you need to be looking at protecting, you know, your interest or your right to accommodation for life. Right. So we might just come back in a minute and talk about um, age limits on granny flats and a few other things. Stephen Pritchard talking with Mandy from Centrelink about granny flats. So um, is there some kind of age limit on granny flats or how, how, how does that work? No, there's not any age limit as such. Generally, the people that we're talking to who are looking at this as an option are retirees, so mm-hmm. over 65 generally. But there is no age limit. The, the way in which we assess a granny flat can sometimes depend upon a person's age, though. So there is something that we can use in granny flat assessments called the test of reasonableness. Mm -hmm. Now, this is commonly used where a person might transfer cash for the right to accommodation for life. So, you know, might might say, well, I'm going to move in with my daughter and I want to help pay off the mortgage So, because I'm going to live there. She's going to give me the right to accommodation. Where a cash payment is made for that right to accommodation, what we look at is the age of the person and what is a reasonable amount to pay for for the right to accommodation for life. So certainly the younger you are, the higher that would be, and the older you are, the lower, because it is based around life expectancy factors. So is there an actuarial table or something? We do have a specific table for that. Okay, okay, okay. So so they pay across the cash. Are they considered a homeowner or a non-homeowner then? Well, one of the most important rules for granny flats to exist is that the person can't hold title in any way. So they can't be on the title to the property at all, even 1%. It's not a granny flat if they're on title. They have their security of tenure through ownership. So no ownership on title as such. But from a Centrelink perspective, the way we assess home ownership is based on the amount they pay for the right to accommodation. So again, we have another little test that we look at, which is based on something we call the extra allowable amount. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the difference between the homeowner and the non-homeowner threshold. So it's currently 203000 So if a person pays more than 203000 for their right to accommodation, we're going to classify them as a homeowner. Okay, so if they pay less than 203000 We'll classify them as a non-homeowner. As a non-homeowner, and then they're just a normal asset test applies. It's the two different asset tests that apply. So if they're a homeowner, it's the homeowner yeah, yeah, asset that's what, test. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so then what happens down the track? They, 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 they become sick and have to go into a high-care nursing home or, or, or something like that. What happens then? So with with granny flats and aged care, probably the most important thing to know is the vacation rules of granny flats. So when a person establishes the right to accommodation through this granny flat interest, if they vacate that within five years of setting it up, then what we look at is the reason they've vacated. And is it reasonable to foresee that when they set this up, they might vacate within five years? So it's a decision that's made by staff within the department looking, taking into account a number of different factors. But certainly, if you know, if we're looking at someone who's in their nineties setting up a granny flat right, um, you know, tra- transferring their home for that right to accommodation, it's reasonable to foresee that within five years, someone of that um, you know advanced age may need aged care. So potentially, they could end up being impacted by our gifting rules. If someone vacates a granny flat right and vacates within five years, and we consider it a foreseeable event, we count the amount they've paid for the granny flat ride as a financial asset for the remainder of the five years. Okay. So okay. let's say they paid 500000 for the right to accommodation. They transferred their home. It was valued at 500000 They vacate after three years to enter aged care. For the next two years, because mm-hmm. a total of five years, we would count that as a financial okay. asset with deeming applied. 
big consideration with aged care is access and choice. A person really needs to take into account if they're transferring their primary asset or the bulk of their assets for this right to accommodation and at any point in the future they need aged care, if they have very little in assets, that's going to dramatically impact the choice yep. they might have in aged care. Yeah, because so, a number of them want these deposits up front now. Absolutely. And if they're non-financial, they may not be able to enter the yep. facilities they'd like to enter. That's right. Mm. That's right. Just a short one more. Oh, I was just going to, I just want to add, Jane, that there's lots of information on this on our website. So if anyone wants to find something on the humanservices.gov.au, just search box Granny Flat Rights and they'll get all that information we've just talked about. Thank you very much, Mandy Barton and Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, and Jane. we will have Thursday Finance back again next Thursday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.